Heavenly Father, we pray this evening that through your word you would draw us close to you, assure us of our salvation in Christ, give us the peace of forgiveness, and then move us by the power of the Spirit to dedicate our lives tomorrow and our entire lifetime to serving you until we see you in the glory of heaven. In our Savior's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, bring your greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ, Messiah Hales Corners. And speaking of fellow believers and other people, think for a moment of the circle of friends and acquaintances which you have. People at work, school, people you meet at the store, the doctor's office, but especially those individuals that you choose to spend time with. What do those people tell you and others about yourself? Not in words, but just by the fact that you are with them. The ancient writer Aesop, who is famous for his Aesop's fables, is credited with saying, a man is known by the company he keeps. And that could be either a very positive impression or a judgment. We see that in the case of Peter this evening. We continue our series this evening of our midweek Lenten devotions, Jesus, Peter, and me. And our text for this evening is recorded in John chapter 18, verse 18. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts, corrupts good character. And that was unfortunately true with Peter. As we heard in the earlier Lenten reading, Peter and the other disciples had abandoned Jesus at his arrest. Even though Peter had said, Lord, even if all these other disciples abandon you, forsake you, I never will. Even if I have to die with you, I will never abandon you. But he did. Later, however, Peter and John went to the home of the high priest where Jesus was being interrogated, and John somehow was known by the high priest and was led into the, the courtyard, inner area of the, the home, and he had Peter brought into the courtyard as well. John apparently went further on into the, the room where Jesus was being questioned, and Peter was left outside in the courtyard. And as we heard, he was warming himself by the fire. You can imagine the conversation which was being held there around the, the fire. Questions about Jesus, probably jokes about this so-called king of the Jews. Peter was likely not participating himself, and yet he was there. He was there surrounded by bad company. And what happened? Well, we know. Well, why was Peter there in the first place? It wasn't that he had decided he was going to stand up for the Savior, he was going to preach the good news of forgiveness through Christ and tell everyone there, this is the Messiah, believe in him. He was simply there to see what would happen. And the bad company 
was a bad influence on him. He ended up denying the Savior three times just because of the questioning of a servant girl. It happens all the time. Bad company corrupts good character. I think every parent has cringed at times when their children have come home from school or daycare and tried out a new expression, a new word they heard at school. Or they try out a new attitude. They hear about or witness a friend of theirs throwing a tantrum and they think that would be a cool thing to do and so they try it. Again, that influence of bad company. A university education can be a wonderful stepping stone to a rewarding career. And yet, A university education can be a great stepping stone to a rewarding career, and yet the ungodly influence of professors and fellow students can be devastating to one's faith. Or has workplace culture ever rubbed off on you? How many times have we sat down with bad company around the campfire of social media? We can't avoid it all the time because we're living in a sinful world. But the problem is not just being with those people. The problem is wanting to be like them. By nature, we crave to be accepted. We want to be part of the group. We want to fit in. And so we all know how strong the temptation is to just kind of go along. Smile, maybe laugh a little bit when the off-color joke is told. To nod in agreement when someone talks about the importance of abortion rights and how the lifestyle of LGBTQ community is simply just a, another choice, not any worse, not any better than any other choice. Temptation is there to maybe complain about the boss, the government, steal a few things from, from the workplace because everyone else is doing it and you want to be part of that group, or to experiment with drugs or alcohol or something else, just be considered part of the, the fun group of people. And then, to tell oneself, well, that's not really me. I'm just going along with it for the time being, just to not cause waves. It's a dangerous approach. Bad company corrupts good character. And James warns, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity? against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So what did Peter's company reveal about himself? It showed him and everybody that he was not that super disciple that he imagined himself to be. The company around him led him to deny the Savior three times in just a short period of time. And we're guilty too. We can all find, remember instances of that. Ecclesiastes says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. That was the company Peter kept. What about the company which Jesus kept? When we look at Jesus' disciples, it was a, a pretty nondescript 
group of people. The Pharisees pointed that out and pointed the disciples out as being you know, not, not very righteous outwardly compared to the Pharisees. They weren't distinguished individuals. So why would Jesus associate with them? And even more so, the Pharisees saw Jesus associating with tax collectors and sinners. They were horrified. In their minds, this was proof positive that Jesus could not possibly be the Messiah because otherwise he would know how terrible these people were and he would want nothing to do with them. After all, bad company corrupts good character. And it is true that Jesus associated with people of every class, every background, no matter how sordid their life had been, Jesus was willing to talk to them, be with them, heal them at times. Think of the woman at the well in Samaria. Multiple husbands living with a man who was not her husband at that time, yet Jesus spent a great deal of time ministering to her. What about the company Jesus kept? Well, in Jesus' case, he was not associating with sinners in order to condone their lifestyle or to adopt their way of life. Not at all. He is the Holy Son of God. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus came to earth to dwell among sinners, to associate with them, to rescue them. He comes to us in his word for the same reason. We have nothing to boast of in ourselves, in our works. We're simple to the core. But Jesus came to be perfectly obedient in our place. In every case where we have been disobedient to God's holy law, Jesus was obedient so that his perfection is credited to you and me by faith. He came to stand between God's righteous anger against sin and us, the ones who deserve to be punished. He took that punishment upon himself, the full brunt of all of the weight of sin. God's anger carried out against Jesus. He was nailed to the cross. God the Father forsook him in punishment. Jesus suffered hell for all of us. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So thank God that Jesus did keep company with sinners like us in order that we might be called God's children, brothers and sisters of our Savior. That being the case, that we are children of God now by faith, how is that going to play out in our lives going forward and the company we keep? There have been times where some individuals have thought that to follow Christ then would mean that they should simply isolate themselves entirely from the world, behind the walls of convents and monasteries and cloisters. Or um, think of the Amish and Mennonites today who practice kind of the same attitude, that they're going to remain separate from the world. But God doesn't say that. In fact, Paul writes in Scripture and says that if that were our goal, to just totally distance ourselves from the world, he said we'd have to leave the world. But rather, the apostle wrote this. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. We are to be lights reflecting Jesus out into the world where we live. So when it comes to the company we keep, the Lord does warn about keeping bad company. And we do want to avoid putting ourselves in, in obvious situations where we're going to be surrounded by, by bad company. That would be foolish for, for us believers to purposely put ourselves into temptation's way. Think of how Joseph in Egypt did his work very faithfully in the home of Potiphar in the jail later on, served Pharaoh finally as the second in command. And yet, Joseph didn't adopt the, the ways of the, the world around him. He was living in the world. He was a witness to a godly person behavior, but he didn't become part of that world. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, Joseph didn't toy with the temptation. He ran away from it. Think of Daniel in Babylon. Same situation there. Daniel was an amazing administrator over the whole province, over the whole country. But again, he didn't adopt the attitude of the unbelievable world. He didn't indulge in the excesses of that society. Moses, too, did not identify as the, the daughter, or as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but instead chose to be recognized as an Israelite and to suffer with them. So we do want to avoid bad company when we can, but along with avoiding bad company, we want to nurture and praise God for good company, for the blessings of fellow believers. We read of how David's friend Jonathan encouraged him, strengthened him in the Lord at a very difficult time in David's life. David was run, on the run from Saul, feared for his life, had just run from one place to another, and Jonathan came and encouraged him in the Lord. In other words, Jonathan reminded him of God's promise that the Lord would be with him, that David would one day be king of Israel, and encouraged David to trust God's word. How many times has a fellow believer done that for you? Where you've been going through a difficult time? Maybe going through the, the grief of losing a loved one or a, a setback, financial setback or some other family difficulty and you felt as, it was the, you were against the world. You, and, you on one side, the world on the other and a fellow believer came with just the right Right word, right encouragement from Scripture. Who better to encourage us than a fellow believer who has faith in the same Savior who died on the cross for us? How many times have you done that for, for someone? That's one of the blessings of gathering together for worship services and Bible classes. We certainly are there at Jesus' feet to hear his word, but also to encourage one another to strengthen and build up that spiritual support network which is so desperately needed by us in these last days of the world's history. And it's not just in the formal worship services or Bible classes, but what a, what a blessing to be able to, to reach out to fellow believers just informally via texts, emails, social get-togethers. We need to do more of that. 
because we need that encouragement. To build each other up, just to ask how one another is doing, ask what we can pray for, for one another. That's the kind of company which is a, a wonderful gift from God. Christian Day School, I'll see that too. It's a wonderful training ground for our young people to, again, forge those friendships to be with good company, which will serve them well the rest of their lives. It doesn't mean that sin won't be there. It will, because we are, are all sinners. But again, when it's Christian company, what happens if there's sin? Well, out of love for the Savior and out of love for one another, we want to point out that sin, lovingly bring the person to repentance. We want to seek out forgiveness and give that forgiveness, depending on what side of the situation we're on. And in that way, love for the Lord is, is strengthened. Gratitude for one another is there. And the Lord keeps us in that one true faith. Because Aesop was right. A person is known by the company they keep. May the company we keep make us known to everyone that we are children of God who are following the Lord Jesus to the cross, to the empty tomb, and one day to the glory of heaven and the reunion with all believers of all time. May God preserve us in that good company. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.